is good, everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast production. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera here with you. Vish Kumar is going to join us shortly here on this legal tampering day. Very excited to have you with us. And we already, from a 49ers perspective, have some breaking news. It is unbelievable. As Chris watching on YouTube points out, the timing of this show is impeccable. That's true. On Friday, Michelle Majuk and I were live right as Brock Purdy surgery news broke. And once again, here we are today going live and we have some breaking news from the 49ers perspective. Because despite my thinking and the thinking of many around the 49ers that cover the 49ers, John Lynch did a damn thing. We got a little bit of news here, breaking news, as the 49ers have agreed to a contract with defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. It's being reported as a four-year, $84 million deal with $40 million guaranteed. Don't, don't totally buy into that yet. We'll see what the actual numbers are when they come out. The agents usually put this out first, and the quote-unquote insiders just puke it out without actually examining it because... They want the tip. They want to be able to put a tweet out first. So we'll see the actual numbers of the thing. But regardless of what the numbers are, it's a great deal for the 49ers. It is an absolute great deal. A um, couple of things, if you don't know about Hargrave, um, career high 11 sacks for him last year was part of that Eagles defensive line. that had four players with at least 10 sacks. Um, so he's going to be, you know, used to playing on a defensive line that's loaded with talent like the 49ers have, and he gets to join Chris Kacerik, which is obviously good news. Vish Kumaran is here. He hops in. What's up, Vish? We got a little breaking news, baby. Javon Hargrave. Unreal. Unreal. Um, one of my predictions coming into this offseason, somebody asked me, like, what's your big prediction? And they were asking Morley about more so about the quarterback thing. And I said, I think Shanahan's going to be really fed up. I think that this is going to be the most aggressive we've seen the Niners. Now, I didn't expect the aggression to be at the defensive tackle position in particular. Mm -hmm. And it was because of the number of defensive tackles that were going to get paid this offseason. I thought the Niners, the way they conduct their franchise, the way they usually look at it, they wouldn't want to jump into that bidding war and add a guy who's going to top the market. They would like to find value at a position where perhaps there's better value and not a surplus of talent. But this was a massive need for them, Rob. This was the biggest need coming into this offseason. Everybody kept saying offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. But nobody can give a rational way on how you upgrade the offensive line because there aren't many good offensive linemen available in the yep. NFL right now. This was a massive signing. The guy is one of the best players at the defensive tackle position. Not only did they need his interior presence as a pass rusher, which, Rob, you talked about the last two years, he's really come on to Philly, really come on as a pass rusher in Philly. In fact, the First, my first introduction to, oh, my God, Javon Hargrave was an ass kicker is week two of last year. He dominated. He was the best player on the field in that game that the mm -hmm. Eagles lost pretty handedly to the 49ers um, in Philadelphia. And so he's going to not only help the interior pass rush, but it's the run game, Rob. Javon Kinlaw really struggled in the playoffs. And Javon Kinlaw's knee has come to a point where yep they cannot go into a season saying Javon Kinlaw is our answer at defensive tackle they just can't do it his knee has not given them any sort of reassurance that they can do that and because of that they had to go get somebody and they got somebody who's a perfect scheme fit who's going to help in the pass rush um in terms of their identity but first and foremost he's going to help with the run game and him and Armstead are the best defensive tackle 
duo in the sport right now, Rob. There's no doubt about it in my mind. And the final thing, to me, the tip of the cap to Javon Hargrave is his rookie year at Pittsburgh played 15 games, started 13. Yep. In 2017, his second year in Pittsburgh played 16, started 12. Third year in Pittsburgh played all 16 games, started 14. Fourth year in Pittsburgh, his final year in Pittsburgh played all 16 games, started 13. The last three years, Javon Hargrave has started 44 games for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's only missed one game in the last three years. The guy plays. He's available every single week. So he's basically kind of solved all the Javon Kinlaw issues for them. He solved the issue of availability. He solved the issue of being the big dominant run stopper. And he's the refined pass rusher that you would hope Kinlaw would have evolved into. He has not been unable to train because he's always rehabbing that knee. I don't think this necessarily means they've given up on Javon Kinlaw, but I think that they've given up on relying on Javon Kinlaw. They replace one Javon with another. Look, when you miss in the draft, you pay in free agency. That's how it goes. We saw it with Quan Alexander when the 49ers got him in free agency, and now they're paying Hargrave. And again, we don't know the nitty-gritty of the deal. We'll find out. But this look, when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch tell you who they are, believe them. They believe in stocking this team from the lines out, specifically starting with the defensive line. And yeah, you can say Hargrave played on a loaded line in Philly, and he did, but he's going to San Francisco now with Armstead, like you said, with Bosa. And when you're talking about a defensive line, it's a lot like a baseball lineup. You get one player, you add that player to your lineup, it lengthens your lineup. It makes everybody else better. What did we see with Eric Armstead? He's at his best when he's surrounded by really good players. You've got Nick Bosa, who's a really good player. Now you throw Hargrave in there. That's going to make Armstead better too. And it's going to potentially make whoever they get opposite Nick Bosa better, whether they stick with Drake Jackson, whether they draft somebody new or sign somebody. This move has ripple effects throughout the 49ers defense. I'm stunned that they pulled this off. Yeah, and the last thing, Rob, I'm glad you brought up Armstead, right? Because you and I have spent a lot of time on this podcast complimenting Eric Armstead in the last, you know, five months that we've been doing this. And I think he deserves to be complimented. He's truly a very good player. But if there's one weakness to Eric Armstead, or more so not even a weakness, there's one part of his game that's just lacking. It's the finishing plays aspect of it. Other than the one year that he had 10 and a half sacks with D Ford, DeForest Buckner, and uh, Nick Bosa in 2019, he's always been the old, you know, your buddy Chris Sims stat, the F up the play <laughs> stat guy, rather than the guy who actually gets the stat on the stat sheet. Javon Kinlaw, or excuse me, Javon Hargrave, that's going to happen about 25 times this <laughs> offseason for sure. But Javon Hargrave, something he's shown the last two years is that he's finishing plays too. And when you add that, you add that next to Eric Armstead, um, I think they're going to go depth for the rest of free agency. I think mm-hmm. Drake Jackson is going to be the guy at edge that we're going to see is, is the guy that's going to get the first crack at being that job or a Could value be. veteran signing. It won't be a big name in my opinion. It just doesn't make sense to be a big name, but this was a massive need. This was a need that we all identified before going into this off season. I'm glad that the 49ers identified it too. And they not only rectified it by getting a player you know we were talking the David Anumadas the Colin Saunders guys that we felt could fit a role and then you get another depth guy and you somehow fit it all no 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 no. they went for the big bite bite at the apple and they got an absolute superstar it's crazy to me I was like thinking of how I was going to start the show on the way to pick up my son from school because he had a half day today and I'm thinking like you know 
don't expect the Niners to make any big splashes, but number one, they don't have a desperate need like a, oh my God, we have to do something or we're totally screwed type of need. And two, a lot of the players that are signing today are not better than the guys the Niners have on their roster anyway, and yet they go out and do something like this and totally redeem themselves to go dumb and dumber on you. This is fantastic by the 49ers. Nick Wagner points out they were fourth in the NFL in pass rush win rate, win rate, but they weren't getting the push up the middle. And that's really what the 49ers want. They want push up the middle, and then they want Bosa and whoever's on the opposite side to just collapse everything, which is what they had in 2019 when you had Buckner and you had Bosa and you had D Ford. You got push up the middle and there was nowhere for the quarterback to go because Bosa and D Ford were in the backfield so, so fast. And I feel like the Niners have been chasing that, trying to get back to it, and they haven't been able to replicate it. This is the biggest step yet towards doing that. And it, it goes to show that they were watching the Super Bowl. What was the big difference between those two teams in the Super Bowl and the 49ers? You can give me the Brock Purdy injury. You can give me this. You can give me that. The big difference was those two teams had size on their defensive line, yep. right? The Kevin Givens of the world, really nice player, terrific gap shooter. He's not the kind of guy you want taking on double teams. In fact, remember, part of the frustration for the 49ers was, and this was reported when a little bit under the radar with Jimmy Garoppolo, was that they could not has- activate Hassan Reddick, or Ridgeway, excuse me, at the end of the year. And Hassan Ridgeway provided, you know, this size run stuffing kind of player that they needed throughout the end of the season. And they just didn't have because Kevin Givens is a smaller gap shooter. Omenahue is an end who's kind of a pass rushing defensive tackle that you move inside on third down as part of the infamous, as they call it, the NASCAR package. Um, And so they didn't have this just absolute meaty, just I'm going to take on double teams. You're not going to move me in the run game. And now they have that guy. Um, they went and got him. It's an absolute, absolute home run signing, Rob. And I'm not someone who just comes here every single free agency and goes, yeah, the Niners home run um, signing. But this to me is kind of the perfect uh, balance of the player fits. The player has production. The player has a history of health. The player is still reasonably young and he's also really, really damn good. And they needed to fill this. They needed somebody like this. Now, I didn't know how they were going to get it. I didn't think they were going to do this, but they needed somebody like this. This is awesome. Nick Ellert with a great point on YouTube. Huge part of it is not only do you make yourself better, you weaken the other, th- the only real threat in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles. And to do that all in one fell swoop is a fantastic move for the Niners. Shout out to Michelle Majuk, uh, if anyone doesn't know. She's also a researcher for NFL Network in addition to doing shows with me. She just sent me a screenshot of something she's working on. Highest quarterback pressure rate since 2021. Number one on the list, Nick Bosa, 15.3%. Number four on the list, new 49er Javon Hargrave at 14.1% with a minimum of 750 pass rush snaps. Like the Niners have added a legit pass rusher in the middle of their defensive line. And that is stunning to me on a day when I thought they were just going to kind of, you know, add some nice little complimentary pieces here and there. Nope. They just ordered a big old main course. And let me ask you this, Vish. Does this move happen if Brock Purdy has Tommy John surgery and is out for the year? Or does this move only happen because Brock had the replacement surgery and they know he's going to be back and they don't have to spend on a quarterback? You know, that's the million-dollar question. Um, 
I, I don't necessarily know how to answer that from the 49ers perspective, but what I do know, Rob, is that this move should have happened regardless. That's what I think is the answer. It didn't. I, I think this move should have happened regardless. The more and more we got into this quarterback situation and kept talking about it, I, I was tearing my hair out trying to figure out. I mean, our last two shows were literally you and I going through every single thing that's <laughs> happened with Trey Lance the last two years, trying yep. to figure out why he, why you wouldn't just go into this season with him as a starter, why you would want to pay you know eight million dollars for the ghost of Andy Dalton or something like that. And so I, I, I don't know, Rob, if this would have happened. I don't know how the Brock Purdy surgery affected it, but all I'll say is this should have happened regardless. The 49ers are doing the right thing by enhancing the rest of their football team and remaining with their young, cheap quarterbacks. The only solution at quarterback that would have costed money and made sense for the 49ers is a proven veteran. And I don't think the Aaron Rodgers route ever made sense for them this offseason. And therefore, we were kind of stuck right here, unless Brady magically came out and fell in their lap and he retired. So he's completely out of the question. Shout out to Brian Rennick uh, watching. What's up, Brian? Kyle Shanahan's tired of being a bridesmaid. I kind of agree, and you, you talked about it. This shows urgency from the 49ers. They're not sitting back and saying, well, we made three out of the last four NFC Championship games. We know we'll be pretty good next year. They're getting better. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh used to have that old adage on the wall of the 49ers facility, and it said you are either getting better or you are getting worse, but you never stay the same. It seems like the 49ers are subscribing to that theory because here they are, Vish. And in the early part of free agency, they make an absolute splash move. Just for anyone that doesn't know, Hargrave was number five on Pro Football Talk's top 100 free agent list. He was the best player that didn't get franchise tagged. So just that's a little bit of context for what the 49ers have reportedly added. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I was just a little bit distracted. I saw the Mike McGlinchey signing and I was just chuckling to myself how uh, clearly Sean Payton is not embracing, quote unquote, let Russ cook because Mike McGlinchey to the Denver Broncos means, hey, we're taking the football out of Russell Wilson's hands. We're going to build this team up by running the football and playing defense. And we're going to go back and take Russell Wilson back to what he was earlier in Seattle. What I actually haven't seen the official numbers. Do you have the actual numbers in front of you? Oh, that's what I've been searching for, but I'm assuming it's going to be massive, Rob. I'm assuming it's going to be massive. I remember I tweeted it like week eight or week nine during the season. I was like, everybody's going to be surprised after Jack Conklin got his deal, how big the Mike McGlinchey deal is going to be. And people are going to be like, Oh, Mike McGlinchey's not worth it. Yep. All of that. But there was never really, in my opinion, an opportunity for the 49ers to bring him back. The market just wasn't there. Ooh, Carlos is $87.5 million in the check. Good for Mike McGlinchey. By the way, watching Mike McGlinchey pass protect for Russell Wilson is going to be such an interesting experience. <laughs> because one of Mike McGlinchey's like, tendencies as an offensive tackle is that he loves to just, you know, he if he gets beat out the edge, he likes to push the lineman past the quarterback's depth spot. And it was kind of an issue a little bit with Brock Purdy, who never climbed the pocket and always tried to escape out the back of the pocket. Now he's going to the king of escaping out of the back of the pocket, the king of never stepping up in the pocket. And McGlinchey's going to push the offensive line or the defensive lineman past him, and he's never going to know where that little uh, number three is. And that might lead to some sacks and stuff. I'm interested. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The entire situation with Russell Wilson as a 49ers fan, I'm secretly enjoying it. Now the (laughs) fact that their first signing is Mike McGlinchey is extra just entertaining to me because it just means like, yeah, Russell, we gave you, you know, $150 million guaranteed and we're taking the football completely out of your hands. Hey, 
You know what? Congratulations, Mike McGlinchey. That dude played maybe his best he's ever played in his career last year, and he had broken ribs for a huge part of the season. He was always a good guy. I know he had some bad plays. I get it. But you know what? I like Mike McGlinchey as a person. He's obviously gone through some personal demons with the whole doom scrolling thing on social media. Good for you. If it is 87 and a half million with 50 million guaranteed. Congratulations, Mike McGlinchey. I, I'm happy for him, man. I always liked Mike. Yeah, 100%. And I hope Denver is a little more fair to him um, than 49ers fans were because, you know what? I, I'll just say it. 49ers fans were not good to Mike McGlinchey. They did not treat him the right way. Um, they blamed a lot of things that weren't his fault on him. Um, mm-hmm. It felt like anything he did basically just got a reaction, and the reaction was always negative. And anything he did positively didn't seem to matter. It didn't seem to matter that he played so well injured, as you mentioned, for the end of the season. But gosh, Rob, I I, I, I feel I hope that he doesn't get blamed in Denver for some of Russell Wilson's issues with pocket management. Oh, I shouldn't say uh-oh. The Raiders are apparently closing in on a deal with Jimmy Garoppolo, according to Mike Garofolo, after six seasons and a Super Bowl appearance with the Niners. Jimmy G is on his way to Vegas. Vish, I think this is a brilliant move by Jimmy Garoppolo because he's going to Josh McDaniels. He's going to another offensive play card that can make him look good and hide some of his deficiencies, especially with Derek Carr going to the Saints. It makes sense for Jimmy to go to the Raiders. It's a smart move by Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a smart move by Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's kind of a smart move by the Raiders um, as well because they're kind of in no man's land now that Carolina made that big move up um, in terms of getting a quarterback, right? Because you still have Indianapolis lurking at four. Seattle could possibly go quarterback. Maybe another team could jump in front of them. They're at seven, and it looks like Indianapolis, Houston, and Carolina are going quarterback in there's four guys really projected to go in that area. So they're going to miss out or possibly unless they make a big move, Jimmy Garoppolo at least gives them some level of credibility and balance where they can pivot to their next option. Um, The only issue that always remains with Jimmy Garoppolo is you would like a quarterback who's consistently available. If they're going to be a stopgap bridge or a veteran presence, especially when the Raiders aren't exactly sure what's going to be behind him, or if they're going to have the young guy this year or next year, possibly And that's where I hope Jimmy Garoppolo is able to stay healthy. But in terms of for the Raiders, for Josh McDaniels, for them to kind of because they lost a lot of close games last year. Um, They were not as bad as, you know, some of the perception and the record. A lot of it was the negativity directed towards Josh McDaniels because of how ugly the situation was in Denver. And because he just seems to be the worst kind of human being or that's what they seem to say i don't want to pass that kind of judgment (laughs) but that's what people seem to say about him they don't seem to like him but either way now you go ahead go ahead now you got a quarterback that everybody likes how about that rob i can just let me just shake this out here he's gone Vish. he's gone i don't have to think about jimmy garoppolo again or care about jimmy garoppolo again or watch jimmy garoppolo again goodbye don't let the door hit you in the way out I don't care about you anymore, Jimmy Garoppolo. Your tenure here was marked by nothing but what should and could have been. You were carried to most of your victories, and you were the reason for most of the defeats. And now I don't have to care about you anymore, Jimmy. Goodbye. I'm done arguing with your stupid stands. Adios. Oh, I feel better. We got more 49ers news, Vish. My gosh, Rob. I feel good. I exercised that demon. 
Kevin I, Gibbons, come on down back to San Francisco. A one-year, $2.1 million deal with $2 million guaranteed. That, according to Matt Barrows. Once again, Niners loading up on the defensive line. I like how you went straight to the Kevin Gibbons signing, so I couldn't respond oh. to that somewhat interesting can, go ahead respond uh, rant about Garoppolo. The one thing, the one credit I, I, I will give Garoppolo is that overall, you are right. There was a lot of disappointment at the end of the season, at the end of seasons, but his 49ers tenure was filled with, you know, the 49ers being a good football team. So that was positive. I, I will say the only person that should be having that rejoiceful reaction, Rob, is what's the artist Rita? Rita, Rita Oak. right? Rita Oak, the yeah. artist, because she can finally, you know, um, sh- I mean, the creativity for 400 plus days that she had to draw something yep. different about Jimmy Garoppolo every day was absolutely exceptional. And she can finally let that go. And maybe her like, so I know when I write a lot, my, uh, you know, my fingers right here because I press on the pencil and I grip it like this it starts to get a little swollen and all that I can't imagine how Rita's finger is um given you know the amount of time she's had to draw Jimmy Garoppolo I wonder if she's templated uh a drawing of Jimmy Garoppolo at this point but yeah good for her that she doesn't have to keep drawing him anymore I'll miss those those were awesome Rita that was such a cool thing and the fact that she kept it going was awesome too uh that's the saddest part of the Jimmy Garoppolo leaving actually um but no i mean I'm, I'm just tired of it man nobody talks about kyle Juszczyk's win-loss record yeah jimmy we always talk about jimmy garoppolo's win-loss record when juice probably had more to do with it than jimmy garoppolo did juice is literally calling things out to help jimmy remember that little tidbit that came out nobody remembers that he's calling out like coverages and stuff this no goodbye jimmy garoppolo. motions rob motions motions Whatever, there's, man. There's about six different motions on every different play. Uh, yeah, that's exactly the job of the quarterback, man. Your fullback's not supposed to be helping you out with that stuff. Jimmy got a three-year, $67.5 million deal, including $34 million guaranteed. That's that's not really that impressive. Gone, Rob. A part of me is gone. Like Ever since I started doing this, like 60% of the conversation is revolved around this guy. And he was just this guy that we kept talking about. He was, you know, a pretty good quarterback, got hurt too much, um, and just was in this kind of horrible situation because his negatives were amplified by the fact that his negatives were what what was holding a team that most people looked at as a, you know, since right. Super Bowl team back. And that was why he was such a polarizing player. And yet he always seemed to come back. It always seemed like the Niners didn't like him, but somehow he was back starting and playing for them. It just felt like, oh, my God, this is never ending, and now it's actually ended? Like, wow. A three-year, $67.5 million deal. That is not like – that's pretty reasonable for the Raiders. I think the Raiders did a good job there. Yeah, I think it is. But do you think – I think even for Garoppolo, the fact that he's been injured basically um, three out of the last four years – the fact that he was still able to get a deal like that is good for him. He's killing the business of the NFL. I'll tell you that, Rob. Jimmy Garoppolo is killing it with Don Yee. <laughs> you know, Don Yee's not – we've been – how long have we talked about it? Don Yee's not a stupid man, man. Uh, Will Schrat watching on Twitch, at Stats on Fire, if you're not subscribed to the Twitch page. I'm so glad I wanted to see Jimmy G thumbnails for your podcast. See, people are just tired of it, man. We're tired of it. It is a – now they can't even bring him back even if they want to, which good. 
So I don't know. That just that makes me happy. Let's go back to the Kevin Givens thing. I mean, the Niners clearly, it's funny. We had the number one defense in the league last year. The Niners, what do they do? Their first two free agent signings are major additions to the defense. Is that Kyle saying, hey, this is a problem area? Or is that Kyle saying, I'll scheme it up on the offense. We'll figure it out. But we're going to add to this defense, and we're just going to make it this team just absolute studs. I just think there's more guys secured under contract. They've spent so much time drafting offense. The last couple of years, they've signed a lot of offensive players. There's a lot of young guys there that are under contract, whereas the defense, there's a few more guys that were, you know, on one year, two year deals um, that became free agents. I think Hargrave was the big bite at the apple that they needed. I think that was the biggest need, Rob. I really do think it was the defensive tackle position, particularly size. It wasn't a guy like Kevin Givens. Even if they brought him back, it would have still been a need. Um, and then bringing Gibbons back, now he gets to play what his optimal role is. Mm-hmm. And that's a guy that comes off the bench, you know, plays 20, 30 snaps, 15, 20 snaps, excuse me, shoots gaps, um, is very, very explosive, plays very hard. He competes his butt off. Um, and he's a really, really good rotational piece. But the Niners would have been in trouble if he had to be their starting defensive tackle next to Eric Armstead this year. So this is, this is I mean, they're killing it right now. We'll see what else they do, but to me, they're killing it right now. I was kind of okay, whatever, with the Gibson signing yesterday. I I think a lot of people made more of it than what it really was. It was a very, very safe signing. Yep. Um, But you can understand the safety of why they locked up Gibson because it was all in preparation to make the big run today at Javon Hargrave. I hate to give him any credit, but I will point out a tweet that Levin had yesterday. He said, Niners offseason has gone as well as it realistically could have. McKivitz and Gibson are back on cheap deals. Lance hopefully getting healthy. Purdy had the best surgery he could have had. And they got seven comp picks in the draft. And this, is, of course, is before the Hargrave signing. All things considered, this is a really good start to the 49ers offseason. This is a really, really good start for them. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, getting a guy like Hargrave. Man, Rob, that's what I love, right? When you get a guy like that that solves a need, are we being too effusive? Are we being too effusive in our praise of this? I don't think he's as – I don't think he's very good against the run. Um, But it's not like Javon Kinlaw was good against the run either. That's the thing. So, like, at least they have a guy that can do one thing really well – but I think one, you combine him with the offense or the defensive line that they have. Two, Chris Kasarik is there, so hopefully he can help mitigate some of that. And three, if you're going to get that good of a pass rusher, I think it's worth it from the 49ers to sacrifice a little bit in the run game because again, their whole plan, their game script is get up by multiple scores and force you to pass. So that's ideally how the Niners want to win games. And if that is the script that is going to happen, then Hargrave's going to be fine on that defensive line. Um, I'll, I'll say that I think there is some schematic difference there too. I think he'll play the run a lot better here than he did um, in Philadelphia. Why? I'm not disagreeing. Like, educate me, I'm saying. Why? It's, just, it's just the fact that they played that Vic Fangio kind of 5-2 front, and he was just asked to two-gap. Um, quite a bit they had him mm-hmm. play nose they also had him play as like a five technique and different stuff like that as a shade nose here he's just probably gonna play as a shade nose which is dj jones's role and uh-huh. the niners ask you to get up the field they allow their defensive linemen to get up the field and i think that his responsibilities are going to be much less and they're going to be much simpler and we're going to see 
Javon Hargrave's physical gifts, which are his, you know, he's got size, explosion, length. He's got everything you look for in terms of just the physical intimidating presence. We're going to really, really um, see that shine. I, I think that the run game stuff with him is a little bit more for what you're suited and all of that. And we saw Philadelphia, they, I mean, Hargrave's a big guy, but they needed even more size in there once um, Jordan Davis got out of there because they put True. such an emphasis on these guys, the two gap, where then they had to go get, um, as Cam Newton calls him, Donkey Kong Sue <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Linval Joseph. But I, I think that Javon Hargrave solves problems here. And again, Rob, I just keep going back. Turn on that week two game versus San Francisco because I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I've watched too much Javon Hargrave over the last two years. I haven't. But that week two game last year against the 49ers, he was the best player on the field. He dominated that game. And I've noticed there's one pattern with Kyle Shanahan and guys that he signs in free agency. They're usually guys that have really, really good games against him, right? Quan Alexander, <laughs> Quan Alexander was a nice player in Tampa Bay who had two like of the greatest games a linebacker's ever had against Kyle Shanahan um, in Atlanta. When Shanahan was in Atlanta, next thing you know, Shanahan's giving him a bunch of money. Mooney Ward was a good player too, but Mooney Ward played very, very well in that Super Bowl. And I remember somebody on the 49ers told me um, at the time that they knew that he would go after Mooney Ward because he highlighted Mooney Ward a couple of times in the meeting <laughs> saying, see, that's a really good player. And they ended up going and signing him. And this brings us to Javon Hargrave, who I said in 2021 to me, that was the best player on the field on that day at Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia lost the game, but individually, Javon Hargrave dominated. And there you go. Shanahan goes and gives him the money. So that's another thing we got to keep ourselves wired to, I guess, here. Who plays well against the 49ers and then ends up being available? I like any sort of insight into how the team thinks I like. I'm just scanning Twitter here. Uh, Nick Wagner says, on a line that currently has Bosa, Javon Hargrave, and Eric Armstead on it, the case could be made the 49ers' Drake Jackson is in as good a position as possible for a young defensive end. It was already a big offseason for him, now a massive opportunity to stake his claim on a loaded defensive line they're putting their guy in a position to succeed right I mean this is they you would you thought that's what they were doing with Trey Lance with with Shanahan and all the weapons they have on offense they're trying to do the same thing on defense now with Drake Jackson I don't know if I necessarily look at it that way Rob um because I do think there's gonna be more guys they're gonna sign at, at, at the edge position but I think they just looked at the value they could get at the edge position and then the talent of Drake Jackson. Um, and they thought that there was better opportunity in the defensive tackle market. I don't think it's necessarily to enhance Drake Jackson, Drake Jackson, because I don't even know if Drake Jackson is going to get that opportunity next year. There's things Drake Jackson is going to have to do this off season. It was a second round pick at the end of last year and they were unhappy with his fitness near the end of the season. And they just deactivated him. They put guys on the practice squad and had them play on the 53-man roster over Drake Jackson. So to me, Drake Jackson has his work cut out for him. He has a great opportunity in front of him to realize his talent. But I don't know if this is necessarily looked at as a move that has anything, any correlation with Drake Jackson other than the fact that, hey, we have a young, talented second-round pick who could end up being as good as any of the guys that we're going to go really spend money on at edge this offseason. But we don't necessarily have an answer in terms of the size and the push at the interior defensive line spot. And we have this first-round pick in Javon Kinlaw, who at this point, we don't know about his knee. We just don't know. It's three off-seasons for oh, Javon we know. Kinlaw and it's three off-seasons of rehab. It, just, it's, it's, it might never be okay. We cannot rely upon that. And I, again, Rob, the one thing that just shocks me, the one thing that shocks me is, 
Christian Wilkins was due for a big contract this offseason. Deron Payne just got a big contract this offseason. Sexy Dexy, Dexter Lawrence, is going to get a big contract this offseason. So I thought I didn't expect the 49ers to engage in the defensive tackle market at the top of the line just because the market was going to be reset three different times this offseason. And they still went after it, and they still did it. That tells you that they, they understand that, hey, there's maybe one or two more years of this window. We got to go get it now. We got to go be aggressive now. You mentioned Rita Oak and Jimmy Garoppolo with him going to the Raiders. We have the picture. There we go. It's kind of hard to see on the screen. At uh, Rita Oak underscore art is her Twitter handle. It's it's Jimmy Garoppolo doing the Andy Dufresne from the end of Shawshank Redemption when he crawls through the river of crap to become a free man on the other side. He's got the shirt off, arms extended, looking to the heavens, and in the background of the picture, Rita has all quotes about Jimmy Garoppolo from all the various 49ers, and the tweet is, drawing Jimmy G every day until he gets traded, day 404, colon, the last day. Wow. 585 likes in one minute. Shout out to Rita Oak, and <laughs> shout out to Brian Rennick, who retweeted it, so it's at the top of my timeline, who we saw earlier in the show um, today. So, I mean, the quotes about him, he is beloved it is startling how beloved he is but they all love him and you let know me what? ask you this yeah let ahead. me ask you this him being loved and we know that josh mcdaniels i guess has this reputation for being a, a acquired taste if you will for mm -hmm. certain players right we know certain players really like him and his style and it doesn't necessarily mesh with everybody having a quarterback who you know Derek carr was i i i don't know know if he, polarizing is the right word but we know that Derek Carr wasn't perhaps as universally loved as Jimmy Garoppolo if that's fair to say just because definitely not we've never seen a negative said about Garoppolo while there have been some negatives come out of it from different people about Carr um do you think that'll help McDaniels as they pivot and try to build whatever they're trying to build between him and Dave Ziegler in Vegas. We know Mark Davis has kind of given him a large floor to build it, but we know that the Raiders fan base is already fed up with McDaniels. <clears throat> Do you think well, having a guy like Garoppolo, who just seems so low-key, everybody seems to like him, everybody seems to be good with him, it just feels comfortable for everybody, will help McDaniels deliver the messaging that he wants to deliver? Kyle is very hard on quarterbacks we know this privately he's very hard we've seen him screaming on the sideline remember right. Grant Cohn said he thought he saw Jimmy uh saw Kyle say to Jimmy this is simple shit can you do it um and so if McDaniels is going to be the same way like Jimmy's used to that like and he he knows what McDaniels is because he had him in New England and so I think there's a comfort there um so that could help him and and Everywhere Jimmy goes, he's, well, I shouldn't say everywhere. In San Francisco, he's liked. His Patriots teammates had some words about him. I wonder if he'll ghost his Vegas teammates now in the offseason. You think he'll, like, communicate? Or are they going to have to go to Jimmy Garoppolo's house to get hold of him like they did when he was in San Francisco? Just just a fair, I don't know. What do you think? You got that any happened. more? You got any more party shots you want to get off here? I mean, what what the hell, man? That happened, right? That freaking happened. And all these people... You know, acting like we got to say this fond farewell to Jimmy Garoppolo, just seemingly ignore this stuff. Like Ann Killian had a tweet. Oh, who are they going to scapegoat in San Francisco now? And he wasn't a scapegoat. He was the yeah. actual goat. 
he was the reason they lost I, most I think, of the time. So the issue I have when people talk like that is that you you can kind of make the point, and I do think it's a fair one, that if Garoppolo played on a more under-the-radar football team, he's like just good enough that he would have just kind of slipped under the radar too. There wouldn't be such a national focus on his shortcomings. But I think there is a national focus on his shortcomings because his shortcomings have directly prevented an exceptionally talented team from winning the Super Bowl. So you can't have it both ways. Like, yes, he's a good player, but this is when you do have weaknesses that are preventing a team from getting to ultimately what their goal is, mm-hmm. then it's going to be discussed. That's the reality of the job. That's the reality of the situation. He wasn't scapegoated. He was just the most reasonable discussion point to have those discussions. And that's why he was talked about in that sense. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I I'm, it, I'm I'm like, dude, is is this real? Like Jimmy Garoppolo is actually gone after three different off seasons. That's all we've talked about is Jimmy Garoppolo being gone, and he's always been back. Like he's actually gone. This is surreal. Yes, I can't believe it. Uh, shout out to Bay Marin, by the way. Thank you very much for the super thanks and uh, the details on the Jimmy Garoppolo contract. Always appreciate that. I got people from Philadelphia reaching out to me, tweeting at me. Javon Hargrave is great. You're going to love him. He's super consistent. This is That's exactly the kind of signing the 49ers need. And I'm stunned that they. I did not see this coming. I don't know how they're going to structure it. I don't know how they're going to fit it in. And to be honest, I don't really care. It's not my job to care. It's my job to just be amped, amped about the signing. And uh, I, I can't imagine how it's going to get any better for the 49ers. I mean, it's off to a hell of a start. All right, here's prediction time because of the Javon Hargrave signing. All right. We've gotten comfortable talking about the 49ers because they have a top 10-ish player at multiple different positions who's been phenomenal, right? We we talk about all the different stud players they have from Trent Williams to Bosa, Nadebo, to Kittle, to Armstead, to Juszczyk, all these different guys, right? Here's a prediction because of the Javon Hargrave signing right here. Let's take it down the road. A little prediction time. Okay. One of those guys isn't going to be here in 2024. Which a one? A Kittle, an Armstead, somebody. Somebody's going to be gone. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Armstead and Kittle, to be honest with you. I don't think Kittle finishes his contract with the 49ers. I just don't see it. His cap hit goes down to $9 million after next season. And if they can find a way to get one of these tight ends in the draft, which this draft is supposedly loaded with tight ends, like a Sam Laporta, who I'm Michelle has yeah. just turned into my draft crush. Um, I, that's what I think, because there's you're a, right. There's a lot of George Kittle qualities to Sam Laporta. That's right. all it's, I'll say. Yeah. Um, and Michelle keeps saying he had too good of a combine for him to slip down that far. Um, but hey, maybe the Niners package Kinlaw and a couple picks and try and move up. Who the hell knows? No, 100%. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably my big takeaway. I don't think they trade or lose anybody today. I think they'll fit it in for this year. But I do think we'll see a little bit of movement with this core the next year. And I'm actually glad that the 49ers are approaching it that way, Rob, because the reality of the situation is this core has gone four years or yep. four years of deep playoff runs. There's a lot of attrition tied to playing almost 40 football games in two years. And 100%. here's the stat for you, Rob. In the last 20 years, in the last 25 years, excuse me, or 20 years, there's been three teams that have had a top five defense in yards for four straight seasons. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers did it 02 to 06 with Monty Kiffin and John Gruden. They won a Super Bowl the first year. 
The Seattle Seahawks did it for five years from 2012 to 2016. Three of those years, they had the number one or 2017. Three of those years, they had the number one defense in football. They won the Super Bowl in the second year of that. The 49ers have now done that four years in a row. They did it in 19. They did it in 20. They did it in 21. And they did it in 22. When you have a defense like that, when you have a core like that, that's played a lot of deep football, at some point, you're going to have some sort of a fall off. It's natural. Defenses don't necessarily last. Now, the Niners defense is built around two young stars, and maybe it does last for a while, but we don't know if it can maintain this top five level. So I'm glad that they made a big signing for another player here, which is now going to allow them to not be so tied to some of these players as they age within their core because financially it's just going to make sense to say goodbye to a couple of them the moment the production starts to slip just a tad. And I think we're very close for a lot of them just because of the nature of the sport, the nature of attrition, the nature of how many games they've played in the last four years and the nature of their bodies breaking down over the course of time with injuries and all of that for a couple of them having that slippage. So I'm glad the Niners are also preparing for that as well and they're not being attached to these names at all. You have to update that core as you go along. You know, like you said, you, 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 it doesn't last forever. You have to recognize that. You have to evolve. I think Kyle Shanahan is very aware of that. Uh, and this is a, a good step in that direction for the Niners. Greatness 54, thanks for the super chat. Now that we have a D tackle, do the Niners use their draft picks to fortify the offensive line? I think they're going to make at least one draft pick on the offensive line, Vish. Um, I... I don't know. I think it might depend on how this, the market for Jake Brendel shakes out. There were reports from Aaron Wilson that he was going to have a healthy market. I just kind of assumed that he would be back in the fold, but maybe not. And then if he goes, how comfortable are the 49ers with a Jason Poe, a Nick Sakel filling that role at center? It seems like McKivitz is going to at least have a chance to compete for the right tackle job. But I think the Brendel situation is going to affect how the Niners approach the offensive line in the draft. Yeah, so the Brendel one is interesting, right? Because I, I think the assumption comes from the fact that Chris Kosarek has been like his believer in football, right? Like the reason he's on the Niners or Jesus, I've done this three different times with the uh, same Chris, names. Chris, Chris Kosarek coaches the defensive line. Right, Chris Forrester, excuse <laughs> yeah. me. He's been kind of his whatever. Um, I think Brendel is like an okay player. I think he was very lucky to be a Pro Bowl alternate, but that's what happens when you're on the center of a prominent team in the NFC. I remember Andre Garrard made like six day, six straight Pro Bowls back in the day for Dallas. And one of the years I remember he made the Pro Bowl and he got cut. And nine-year-old me was like, this is the most counterintuitive thing of all time. That was the moment the Pro Bowl lost its luster for me at nine years old. When I <laughs> saw innocent. this dude get cut after making the Pro Bowl, I'm like, what the hell is going on? But anyway, and so I don't know if he was that good of a player, but he was solid the entirety of the season and he improved as the season went on. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think they'll draft one or two offensive linemen, but they have so yep. many young offensive linemen that they've been developing on this roster. Like, I feel like a lot that we had the same conversation last year and they went young with Banks and Burford. And I think a lot of people would say they're better for it. I think a lot of people are going to expect an improvement from Banks this year. I certainly am. I'm expecting Burford to take a jump, which kind of leads two positions. I like Colton McKibbitts more than most, Rob. I think he's serviceable and I think the Niners got him at a really good number. I don't think they're in a position when we're talking about offensive line to really upgrade. What are they? What what third round offensive lineman, fourth round, fifth round <laughs> offensive lineman realistically is going to walk in and start seventeen games in the NFL? Hey, Unlikely. Would you said that about Spencer Burford. Well, he, that's why he split snaps right with Daniel Brunskill all yep. year. 
it's really hard. It's probably the hardest position to make the jump to. It used to be receiver, right, when it would take receivers a couple years because you would go from the wide-open offenses of college to having to come and play in two-back, one tight end, you know, tighter splits, different things like that. You would have to run certain routes to even be on the field, all of that. Now it's it's offensive line, right? You come from the spread. You have two different run plays. You have one pass protection. Usually you're in a 5-0 protection the entire time because everybody, all the eligibles are out catching passes. You're just blocking the guy in front of you, and now you have to come in. You have to work within a scheme. You have to run more than, you know, a couple run plays, all of that. It's a massive adjustment. Like, what upgrades are we talking about here? I, I don't know. I, I don't think people are still coming to the reality that there's just not that many good offensive linemen in the NFL. And we're going to have to see the 49ers. The best case scenario for them is just continuity and growth. And those are the two words that are most important going into this season because they're not they're going to have an offensive line that might start the season a little shakier. But a lot of people forget, right? Like the Brock Purdy injury has people thinking that the 49ers offensive line didn't finish the season really, really strong. They, they played very well um, in that New Orleans game against a very, very good pass rush. I thought they played very well. A lot of the, I thought the issues in that game was that the quarterback didn't throw the ball quite a few times and took a couple of sacks. That was an issue. That was Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I thought they, pl- they played well against Tampa Bay. I thought they played well against the Raiders. They had some very, very good games down the stretch against some good pass rushers and some good pass rushes. And In fact, I thought the Dallas game, the way they moved them in the run game in the second half was fantastic. Um, they grinded them out. So I, I don't think this offensive line is as bad as people think. In fact, the offensive line is actually not responsible for any of the quarterback injuries, if you think about it. Agreed. The first quarterback injury, um, which was Trey Lance, was a misread on his own replay. McGlinchey blew the block, but he should have never kept the ball on the counter bash play. That ball should have been handed off. The second injury, which was Garoppolo, was if he holds the ball in the pocket for four seconds and then tries to run right <laughs> ladder, you can't put that on the offensive line. That's on him. Throw the football away. You've been in the league for eight years. And then finally, the Brock Purdy injury, they had a tight end blocking him on a play action, explosive play set up where the quarterback should have set up, stepped up and let the ball go. Yep. Which offensive lineman's fault is that? But it's just the reputation that they get because of the quarterback injuries. There's not really a logic behind it. I don't think there's necessarily viable upgrades. I think JC Maxwell is exactly right. They got a stud in Trent Williams. They got an ascending player in Aaron Banks, who was phenomenal in the pass game and is growing in the run game. They got Burford, who's quite talented. Um, and they're going to have to figure it out. I, I know that there's a lot of people very high on Nick Zakel. Um, I think the 49ers might be high on Nick Zakel too. Yep, Perhaps he could surprise people and start and all of that. But this, this idea, Rob, that they're just going to go now get, you know, a Pro Bowl Hall of Fame type tackle and get, you know, the Eagles offensive line from last year, which was one of the best offensive lines we've seen in the last 10, 15 years in the sport of football. I, 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 I just don't see it. I don't even think it's really a logical conversation to look at that because it doesn't make sense to me. I think the 49ers, if you go back and look, their offensive line always starts the year kind of slow for whatever the, for whatever reason it is, they start slow. They get better throughout the year. The run game gets better and better. I always make this analogy. The, their offensive line works like a clock when everybody does what they're supposed to. It's beautiful. It functions like a well-oiled machine. But if even one part of that is screwed up, the whole thing breaks down and falls apart. And that's what happens to the Niners early in the year. They get it together. It's a testament to coaching. And I think when you look at the offensive line, like you were saying, because it's so hard to find those guys coming right out of college, I think the Niners prefer to draft a guy 
almost like when you're looking at a house and you're like, oh, the guts of this house are good. I don't like a lot of the other stuff, but the, the bare bones, the structure of the house is good. I think that's how they look at offensive linemen. And they say, we'll get this guy. We'll give him a year in our system. We'll coach him up our way. And then they'll be ready to start in year two. We saw that with Aaron Banks. We could see that with Jason Poe this year, Nick Sakel, like you were saying. So I almost wonder if the 49ers look at it that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's the way they got to look at it. When you got a football team that's this good and you have this many highly paid players, you need to be able to develop and have growth from young players, right? I, I think that the last offseason is such a great example, right? We talk so much about guard, right? And then Banks ended up starting basically every game, um, and he played quite well. We and Burford, same thing. We talk so much about safety. And Hufanga, I don't think he deserved to make it, but he was an all-pro player last year, first-team all-pro player. And so we just have to see the growth, right? Second corner after Emmanuel Mosley went down was such a question. Diamond Lenore played great. He really did. He really did play great as a second corner down the stretch. JJ zero. Zero on the Twitch, by the way. Where can they find you on Twitch, Rob? At Stats on Fire. Follow me. Yeah, I, he's absolutely right. They need to develop some players. Um, I, I think they will draft offensive linemen to get more players to groom in game death. But ultimately, Rob, I don't see any third round, fourth round, fifth round pick coming in and beating out a lot of these guys that they have that have already had an opportunity to, you know, because there's a body change that also happens for offensive linemen. There's a strength factor. We saw Aaron Banks had to go through that, and he was a second round pick. It's tough to find these really, really gifted players in the offensive line anymore. You don't have many Trent Williams coming out out of Oklahoma. <laughs> That's the number one player in high school, number one player in college, just like different breed type tackles coming out these days as much. There are very, very few and far between that you get a Panay Sewell or an Andrew Thomas coming out in the draft. If you are just hopping into the stream and you've seen the news, Niners agree with defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. Four-year, $84 million deal with a reported $40 million guaranteed. Congratulations to him and the Niners. I am seeing a lot of salty Eagles fans, Vish, including my old friend from Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation's Eagles community, Brandon Lee Gowden, who has the article up on BleedingGreenNation.com. And the last paragraph is and as if losing him wasn't annoying enough he had to go to the whiny crybaby team that can't stop complaining about how it was unfair that the eagles beat them in the nfc championship game when the team that the guy is leaving is that salty you know you got a good player oh yeah oh yeah he's he's a kick-ass player he's a kick-ass player there's zero doubt about it but rob my favorite thing about the player and I'll just reiterate it for the people that were missing is it's the um, 45 games played um, over the last three years. It's the fact the guy has basically played just about every game in his career that he's had the opportunity to. And that's huge when we're talking about a team that over the course of the season, their defensive line goes through so much attrition, right? At the mm -hmm. end of the season, they're, as they start the season off with immense depth and immense energy, and it just keeps dwindling, dwindling, dwindling as the season goes, which is natural, right? Now, you know, they're adding not only depth, but they're adding somebody whose calling card beyond being a very good player is availability, consistency, the ability to play a lot of snaps every single game. This is a big move, Rob. It's a big move.
And here's what else I like. In 2019, four sacks. 2020, four and a half. 2021, seven and a half. 2022, 11. So he's improved in sacks every year since 2019. That's an upward trajectory. Yeah, he's 30 years old, but that's okay. Not every guy you have to sign needs to be with you for 10 years. And the Niners are in this window that we keep talking about. It's okay to bring in some veteran depth on the defensive line. And that's what the Niners have done. They have made a big swing, and I keep saying, with the NFC as weak as it appears to be right now, be greedy. Take advantage. Don't try to get into the playoffs at 9-8. and eight. Try to get into the playoffs at 13-4 and four or, you know, 14-3, and three, something like that. Go for, go for that number one top seed. God damn it, Rob. What? I just saw the Chiefs sign Jawan Taylor. That's all right. What's why are you upset? I such a seamless fit for a team that he, he that's the kind of team he makes sense for, right? We're talking about a, a tackle that's very bad in the run game, incredible in pass protection. We'll go to the team that just doesn't like running the football and just wants to throw it all the time. Oh, don't be takes, a, listen. You're not going to have to worry about the Chiefs because of who they have at left tackle. Okay. <laughs> you have to worry okay, about the Rob, Chiefs. Okay, Rob, I'm just so, I, I'm, it just pisses me off that they win the Super Bowl and they're a better team. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that they're good, right? It doesn't happen by accident. Mahomes is there, yes, but they also have Andy Reid. They have Brett Veach. Like, teams are good for a reason. And yeah, the Chiefs are going to be good. But you know what? The only time I need to worry about the Chiefs is in the Super Bowl. And I'll be more than happy to do that next year. And with signings like Hargrave, I may just have to. You could smile hey, today, Vish. It's okay. I'm so happy. I, I, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that they went and made this move. I think it was – don't say that, Carlo. Don't say that. Uh, I'll take it if that's what it takes to get back to another I'll Super take – yeah, my, I have two, two hopes for this season. One is that the 49ers make the Super Bowl. The second is that they don't play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Anybody but the Chiefs. Because I Patrick Mahomes, Rob, unless you can get all five of his offensive linemen injured before the Super Bowl, I find it hard to tell me that you're going to beat him in a one-off game. You know what? I'll take my chances. I'll take my friggin' You'll chances. You'll take your chances. I agree with you. I agree with you. This is a time for celebration, Rob. Yes. Javon Hargrave was a big signing. Bringing back Kevin Gibbons was really good. And then do you want to just touch on Tashawn Gibson here before we go? Sure. Um, that sure. was the news that came in late last night. Absolutely. Uh, I think it was like basically a, what is it, $2.9 million cap hit, something like that. $2 million, $2.9, something in that range. Uh, he had a very good rating against the run last year. Uh, I joked with Levin because we were doing this spreadsheet that Lombardi had. And one of the options for players on the spreadsheet is budget veteran which is exactly what Tashawn Gibson was last year. He was a budget veteran signing for the 49ers, and he ended up leading the team in interceptions and having a damn good year and basically taking Jimmy Ward's spot. My question to you is, I saw like conflicting tweets from 49ers beat writers. I think it was Eric Branch said, well, this means Jimmy Ward's not coming back. I think it was Barrow said, this proves the Niners would be interested in Jimmy Ward to come back as a nickelback. How do you think the Gibson signing impacts Jimmy Ward? Um, maybe as a nickelback. And I think part of that was because he mentioned it, right? 
he mentioned, hey, wait, I could come back to the Niners. They might yep. want me starting at nickel. But I also think that's Jimmy Ward reading the tea leaves on his market, too, because this market just hasn't been good for veteran safeties the entire time. Like, it's you can say, oh, look, Deshaun Gibson signed quickly. He signed for almost no money. That's why he signed quickly. It just turns out <laughs> to be, like, worth, you know, two and a half times more than what he was paid last year. That's the big difference here. But Jimmy Ward's a guy who made $10 million last year. So there's a big difference. I personally, I love Jimmy Ward, right? You won't find somebody who's been pushing for Jimmy Ward's a great player more than me. I don't think they should bring him back. He's 31 years old. He's a great locker room presence, all of that. But you drafted Sam Womack in the fifth round for a reason. It's time. It's time to it's time to move on. You can't just keep bringing back 30-year-old players and overpaying them because you, you, you drafted him. He's young. Develop him. Put him on the field. If there's one guy in the secondary, I think they should bring back. It's Carlo in the comments put it. It's Emmanuel Mosley. I've been saying yep. that from day one. It's the one guy they should bring back. To me, let Jimmy Ward walk. Go forward with Womack. Go forward with Lenore. Whoever that is, figure it out between those two. And then in terms of Tayshawn Gibson, I, I thought it was a very safe signing, Rob. I think it was a very much like, hey, we know he's steady. We know he does his job. And we know he can catch errant passes that are thrown to him. And he checks all those boxes. He's a veteran prep player. We know we can trust him. Yep. And I, I think it was a very, very safe and solid signing. I'm not going to sit here and ring the bell over Tayshawn Gibson. But the one thing I do want them to do, and I think the Javon Hargrave signing opens it up, is one of those third-round picks I want them to draft a safety. Somebody young that they're grooming as a future starter next to Ufanga. Because I don't think they can keep putting this to Sean Gibson band-aid which was a Jaquaski tart band-aid the year yep. before which was a Jaquaski tart band-aid like you can't just keep putting this band-aid on this safety situation to me you have to move forward and have a young guy Tarverius Moore is a free agent and he showed no ability to make you think he's a long-term answer as a starter at safety he was an oh pretty nice special teams player that's it George Odom is an all-pro caliber special teams player but to me you don't want him as anything more as your backup safety. I would love for them to go get somebody and draft somebody as their future at safety, grooming him. And their he would be kind of in the perfect role too because they wouldn't put pressure on him to start this year thanks to having good old um, Tashawn Gibson who's steady and a uh, veteran and does his job really, really well back there. Um, so, Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, was, I completely yeah. agree with you. Like eventually you have to invest in this position. And I hope that the 49ers will. I know you got to run, Vish. Uh, before we go, just to leave everybody happy one more time, Jeff Dini had this tweet. Quarterback pressures by Niners interior linemen last season. Armstead, 20. Hyder, 14. Givens, 13. McGill, 10. Ridgeway, 8. Kinlaw, 5. Spence, 3. Javon Hargrave had 57 quarterback pressures himself last year. Massive massive win for the 49ers celebrate today everybody and please like and subscribe to the youtube channel shout out to sal who said new sub keep up the great work really do appreciate it youtube.com slash at gold standard network is the youtube page we will be here with you all off season long breaking it down fish thank you very much for joining me today on a big 49ers news day thank you rob and i'm so glad we pushed this show back 30 minutes today um, yep. Thank. Shout out to your son's school for having a half day because it allowed <laughs> us to, you know, come right on here like ten minutes right after Javon Hargrave signed. You can't ask for better timing. So shout out to your son's school, really looking out for us during this time. Yeah, Bear Path Elementary, let's go, baby. Enjoy <laughs> the rest of uh, the legal tampering period, everybody. Thanks for joining us.